Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to The Shit Show. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. That's totally awkward random. Kia ora, everybody, and welcome back to The Shit Show for another week. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, my older brother, Squishy. How are you today, Squish? I'm good, Luce. It's been a big day, but I've had a Red Bull and I'm ready for it. Stop it. Can you please tell me? Because, okay, I get up to write the newsletter at five every morning, and I think, wow, your girl's doing the Lord's work. Like, no one's up except the birds. What time were you up this morning? Uh, my alarm was for 2.15, and I was on the in the track by three. That's honestly middle-of-the-night vibes. And are you a morning person? Like, are you good in the morning? Yeah, yeah, I'm usually pretty good in the mornings. I reckon I reckon that's in our genes, eh? Like mornings, night times, I'm not that much of a night owl. I need to get I need to get a good night's sleep, but I can get up and just be like sort of manic from the get-go. I think it was all my years of um getting up to watch the Tour de France at 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh. It's trained me well. Speaking of, Nick used to have slumber parties to watch the Tour de France, and I used to have the same thing to watch One Direction videos, but only one of us got shat on. And this week, this week, our final episode of Extremely Online is all about Stan culture and why we need to stop shitting on stands. So um, if we don't, if we don't hold the same precedent for sports fans, we should be letting everyone be uh, interested in whatever they want. Sorry, Nick. Luce, that's like the 15th time you've st- you've told that story. I just want everyone to think you're an arsehole, I think. But that's impossible because mm. you're so nice. Also, before we got on the mic, and actually this happens most weeks, Nick is just really angry, like really angry. And, and like we used to, when our little brother Ben would get angry so that he didn't feel bad, we used to call him grumptious, which was like a mix between grumpy and scrumptious so that it would be like kind of a nice way of saying... You're so fucking angry. So whenever Nick is Don't you dare call me scrumptious. Don't you dare. Like, you are grumptious. Like, you're so nice, but you get so grumpy. What's up early, okay? All right, Lucy, enough about me. How was your week? My week has been really good. Um, We did our first newsletter ad yesterday. So for anyone that doesn't know, I write a morning newsletter. Of course you know. Um, and how on earth would they not know? I know we talk about it every week and we have started offering up like a little bit of space in it, you know, like you can rent a little bit of space in the Siska daily newsletter. If you are a company that we really align with or just someone that we think is fucking cool and you can come and you can pay for a slot. We ran our first one for a, um, for an investing newsletter for like young people. And 
they said that we pretty much broke their back end by how many sign-ups they got and they were so stoked. Like it was, I'm, I'm having such a good week because everyone was emailing me back being like, get that bag girls, pay your rent. Like I'm signing up, like not just because it looks great, but because I love you. And that's just like, that's all you want when you're trying to start a business. I could hardly even tell it was an ad to be honest. That, see, that's the goal. There's like an art to it. Like Liv should design in a way that we like and in a way that we would do anyway. And I should write in a way that like I would write anyway, especially if I genuinely like what I'm writing about, which will only say yes to things that we do. So I am honestly peaking because that was great and it's just cute i signed up oh yeah yeah so did dad he was like the first one he messaged me straight away being like why haven't i got a confirmation email yet i just signed up and that's how we figured out that we'd broken the back end because i messaged them being like just letting you know like some people aren't getting confirmation emails via dad telling me (laughs) anyway nick Please tell me what the weirdest thing you saw on the internet this week was. Yeah, so I was scrolling um, scrolling Twitter, as I usually do, and I saw this headline. A woman reportedly stunned a Delta Airlines crew when she was caught breastfeeding a hairless cat mid-flight. That's a like a hell of a headline, isn't it, Like on its own? Well, did they think that her baby was a hairless cat? Was she actually breastfeeding a hairless cat? Uh, she was actually, well, she, well, she wasn't actually breastfeeding. She was attempting to breastfeed the hairless cat. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> so this all apparently went down on a Delta Airlines flight from Syracuse. I don't know how to say that. New York to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and the situation was so bizarre that the pilots had to use the ACARS system, which is the Aircraft Communications Addressing and Reporting System, which is like a pilot-to-ground text message. And it said, request red coat assistance, passenger in 13A is breastfeeding cat and won't return cat to carrier when asked by flight attendants. No, Nick, this might win the weirdest thing all year. It's odd. It's so odd. That's why I had to talk about it, just to make things even weirder. The flight attendant on the flight uh ainsley elizabeth went on tiktok to say this y'all wanted an update so here it is <laughs> this is just so crazy this woman had one of those like hairless cats swaddled up in a blanket so it looked like a baby and um her shirt was up and she was trying to get the cat to latch and she wouldn't put the cat back in the carrier and the cat was screaming for its life just so weird like what was she doing at home what does she do at home if she's doing that in public? Oh, oh low-key true, though. Nick, that's so weird. Very weird. Is Delta, Delta um, have a really big TikTok presence. Did they comment on the TikTok or have they said anything? No, Delta hasn't hasn't commented on the uh on the situation oh god well actually you'd need some time to get something together to know what i bet they've say. got their crack pr team on the case because biker rocky fucking hell they would eh? the weirdest thing i saw on the internet this week was um a strong man called john evans which feels like just an extremely strong man name balancing a mini cooper on his head like he he just what a Mini Cooper car? Yes, like a full on car. Yeah, I'm testing to see if you're listening to me right now, and, and the reaction time of you processing the Mini Cooper car, <laughs> balancing a Mini on his head. I was like, okay, what's a Mini? But then <laughs> Mini Cooper car, like honestly, a Mini Cooper car. So he's this gorgeous, gorgeous guy. He seems so friendly. He has one eye, and he I think he's done like nearly a hundred, or he wants to do a hundred. Like he just stands there and he can balance a Mini Cooper car on his head. And when he does it, he said it feels like. 
like he's in heaven. Like he, he just gets, he sinks into, he slips into Nirvana and just like can balance this Mini Cooper on his head. How doesn't he not get squished? And actually, I should have looked deeper into because I watched a video of him doing it, but I didn't watch a video of how he gets to that position. Does the car have the engine? I'm cars are heavy. People are weak. Yeah, I know, but John John Evans is not. John Evans is a strong man. What a legend. Yeah, Loki a legend. Now this week, me and Nick are doing that thing where we have one big news story and we sort of split it up and share it and talk about it together, which is one of my favorite ways to do this podcast. Like, I love learning stuff from you, but I love it when we've both taken different parts of a story and like teach mm. each other as well. It helps us cover big stories. Oh, big stories. And like, lucky we are because just no one else is doing it. <laughs> we are the only news. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The Daily actually let out a really good episode on this. So we're talking about the school shooting that happened at Oxford High School, um, just north of Detroit in Michigan. Now, just before we get into this, I should probably give a content warning that we'll be talking about, obviously, gun violence and shooting and mental health issues. So skip forward a few minutes to the next stories if you don't want to listen to this. So what we had was 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly, who opened fire at Oxford High School on November 30th, killing four people and injuring seven others in a planned attack. Ethan is now facing numerous charges, including terrorism and first-degree murder. Now, this year alone, there have been 229 gun-related incidents, including nine active shooter situations in U.S. school. That's in U.S. schools. Like, 229, including nine active shooter situations, like, so far in 2021. How many days have there been in 2021? Like, that's almost one a day. I I know. These stats are always shocking, and I always wonder if they're, like, sensationalised, but, like... And this, it's just, oh, it's fucked up and it makes me so mad and sad. And yeah, so I think we just go back to what actually happened with this story, story Nick, because like, I think one of the scariest parts for me are the red flags that were really, really just glaringly obvious and and the parents who were quite heavily involved in this and just, just the lack of care and the lack of any action being taken by the parents, even when the school got involved. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this whole story starts with the parents of Ethan, Jennifer and James Crumbly, buying Ethan, who was only 15 years old at the time, uh, bought Mm -hmm. him a 9mm handgun as an early Christmas present. Now that in itself is insane to me, but that's Mm. beside the point. And just a couple of days later, Ethan was caught by his teacher searching online for ammo, and his mother didn't really seem all that worried about it he she texted ethan saying lol i'm not mad at you you just have to learn not to get caught yeah so this is one of the first like a teacher saw him searching that and like was worried obviously teachers go through so much training um, on what to spot in kids and like active shooter situations and like this was the first instance i'm sorry but the mum saying lol just don't get caught like makes me ill so that wasn't the only sort of red flag that was missed by his parents wasn't really missed they just sort of ignored them and that's why they're up on involuntary manslaughter charges i guess um but probably the most glaring would have to be the note that ethan wrote on the morning of the shooting it was scrawled with images of a gun a person who had been shot a laughing emoji and the words blood everywhere and 
the thoughts won't stop help me. See, this, I read about this, and, like, Ethan is only 15, and that just, like, when you're having, obviously he's going through a mental health crisis, and when you're 15, one, you don't know what's happening to you, two, you don't know how to manage it, and three, like, as we'll find, again, the teachers will call for counselling, and the parents will ignore it again, and it actually, it, it makes me sad for him. I know he's done something fucking terrible, but it makes me sad for him as well as, like, I don't want to say angry at him, but sad for the situation too that he caused. Yeah, I totally agree. So yeah, obviously upon seeing that note, the school called on the parents to have a meeting. Um, the parents didn't mention that Ethan had like uncontrolled access to a weapon. The parents didn't check whether he had the gun with him, nor did they take Ethan to counselling as the school requested, as they didn't want Ethan to be removed from class that day. Karen McDonald, the Oakland County prosecutor, said... The notion that a parent could read those words and also know their son had access to a deadly weapon that they gave him is unconscionable, and I think it's criminal. Yeah, so when I was reading about this, I saw that they went into the office and then the, the teachers said that he needed to be taken home and he needed to go to counselling within 48 hours, and the parents just said, no, he's going to stay at school. And, and And like you said, Nick, they didn't check whether he had the gun on him, and Unfortunately, he did have the gun with him, which wasn't locked up at home. And I don't think there's actually laws in the estate to have them locked up, but they should be for safety, shouldn't they? Of course they should be. Yeah. Now, later that day, um, after Ethan had drawn the photo, had drawn the picture and the teacher had got his parents in, news did start to spread around the community about a school shooter. And that's when Ethan's mum text him saying, Ethan, don't do it. So they they had this, I mean, I can't even call it gut instinct because the like they had a meeting that morning. So like they would have known that it was him. And the father, James Crumbly, actually called 911 and reported a gun missing from his house and said that he believes his son might be the school shooter. So at around the same time that all the other people were hearing about the school shooting and worrying about their kids. Jennifer and James were worrying that their son was the shooter and then also grappling with the fact that they had basically, well, they'd bought him the murder weapon and they had let him have access to it. Some other red flags um, were two videos on Ethan's phone that were recorded the night before where he talked about shooting and killing students at the high school and actually a journal found in his backpack that detailed his desire to shoot up the school and included murdering students. So he he was a um, almost a textbook sort of perpetrator here and it's fucking... It's sad to see, and it wasn't even missed. It was, like you said earlier, it was just ignored. And so, obviously, the parents... Well, not even obviously, because this is actually quite unique, but the parents are being charged in this as well, because... And that doesn't happen that often, but in this case, as you guys can hear, this was as much, if not more, the fault of neglectful parents and and enabling parents as it was Ethan. Would you agree, Nick? Absolutely, I'd agree. And that's something that um, the the prosecutor mentioned in her, in her statement. Yeah. Now, this doesn't usually happen, and she honestly believes that they're as much as fault as Ethan is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so 
Did, um, I haven't read that much into this, but did the parents try t- to run? Did they try to run away upon hearing about this? Like, did they just leave Ethan and run or, or what happened? Yeah. Um, so the parents tried to flee to Canada. Um, okay. But they obviously didn't quite make it. Uh, they were caught hiding out in a basement of a warehouse in Detroit, uh, about a mile away from the Canadian border. So not too, not too far off. And I actually checked, I actually checked out the, um, the warehouse on Google Maps, and yeah, it's it's right next to the border. Like you can see, you can basically see the river that separates the United States and Canada right there. The Detroit police chief said that he believed that it was very likely that the Crumblies were trying to flee to Canada, given their proximity to the border. Um, and although the Crumblies' lawyers are trying to claim that they were out of town for their own safety, uh, the the Detroit police chief said that the situation isn't indicative of turning themselves in, hiding in a warehouse. Um, with the lawyers adding that they were absolutely going to turn themselves in and that it was just a matter of logistics. Oh, God. It's, it's yeah, I I don't know. They, it's like... It's a horrible situation. It's such, it's such a horrible situation for the families that lost their children and for the kids that were all there. Like, it's so much bigger than just these, like two parents who are now trying to run away and who knows what's even happening with Ethan but it's it's terrible it's so it's I don't know it's just so immature and stupid and they bought the fucking gun at a Black Friday sale and it's all just horrible America man um, yeah when will this shit stop I don't know it won't well as long as it's fucking one of their rights Bear arms. At a Black Friday sale. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I know. Like, it's it's terrible. And we will keep you updated with um, how this trial goes and what happens in it because we are good at keeping you updated on stories. That wasn't even actually sarcastic. We actually do often give updates, <laughs> don't we, Nick? Yeah. Now, Every now and then. Nick, do you have uh, another story for me? Maybe something a little bit not, a little bit lighter. Yeah, something a little bit lighter. Very light, in fact. Zero gravity, you might say. Oh, my God. We didn't even fucking plan that. I'm getting good at them now, Luce. I'm getting good yes, at them now. Yes, you are, Squish. So, um, <laughs> oh, my God, that was very dramatic. So. <laughs> so. So, for the first time in four years, NASA has added a few more astronauts to its team out of... Over 12,000 applicants, just 10 have been chosen. These astronauts are part of what's known as the Artemis generation. Artemis being NASA's latest moon landing program, aiming to get the first woman and first person of colour on the moon by 2025. Woo! Yeah, space! (laughs) So all of these new astronauts obviously are, like, amazing, as you'd expect. It's littered with PhDs and fighter pilots, like the traditional astronaut sort of prerequisites. Um, But there's a couple with extra special backgrounds that I thought I'd tell you about. And before you do, can I just say how thankful I am that we have another story about space? Because you know that I'm a lifelong learner. And actually, I didn't realise that to be an astronaut, you had to have like a PhD or something. Like, I honestly thought they just chose really fit people. But now I'm thinking like, Lucy, they have to actually go up there and do stuff, not just be able to handle the ride. Yeah, no, they um, they do go up there and do jobs. That's so not just a holiday. Um, they don't have to have a PhD. They have to have at least a bachelor's degree and four years experience in you know that sort of field or a master's degree in um, science, technology and engineering. Oh, okay. 
did you look that up because you want to be an astronaut and so you know so much background on it? Yeah, I'm just waiting until they need space tractor drivers. No, you're waiting until they need space podcasters. We could be the first podcast done from here to space because I'm not going. If anybody knows someone at NASA, uh, I've got an idea for them. (laughs) (laughs) Space podcast. I'm prepared to do it. That'd be legit. Are you? Pre- would you go to space? Hell yeah. Of course I would. Fuck that. Okay, well, you're not going to space. Not but yet. But some of these amazing astronauts are. So can you please tell me about them? Yeah. So first of all, we've got Dr. Christina Birch. She's from Arizona, has a bachelor's degree in mathematics, a degree in biochemistry and molecular biophysics, and a doctorate in biological engineering from MIT. Um that's so impressive, I can hardly even say it. <laughs> I know. I just yawned while you were saying it, like, unintentionally. It's not boring. It's just, like, your girl could never study for that long. So that's pretty, like, impressive to begin with. Yeah. But the bit that I find really cool, mainly because it's, like, an intersection between my two loves, like, space and cycling, is that she was a former professional cyclist, winning 11 U.S. national titles and was in the long list for the U.S. Olympic team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So you could go to space because interested in space and a cyclist with how many national titles do you have, New Zealand? Yeah, see, I've actually got none. Um, oh, but look, there's time. But she's got 11. <laughs> Luce, have you seen the movie Armageddon? No. No, okay. I didn't think you would have. I don't think it's really up your alley. Anyway, I'll tell you about it. The premise is that like an asteroid is heading towards Earth and it's going to hit Earth and like do the dinosaur thing. So NASA sent up a team of like oil well drillers to drill a hole in the space rock to have a bomb down the hole and blow the thing up so we don't, you know, do the dinosaur thing. One of the main questions that came out of that movie was would it be easier to train a driller to be an astronaut or train an astronaut to be a driller? And most people sort of thought, I don't know, it's harder to be an astronaut than it is to be a driller. NASA wanted to find the answer because in addition to new astronaut Denise Burnham's bachelor's degree in chemical engineering and master's in mechanical engineering she spent a decade working in the energy sector managing drilling rigs and working on drilling optimization projects so is there an asteroid coming coming to uh earth that we need a driller to go up there and (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah she's gonna do that to it yeah so maybe NASA does know something we don't, and or maybe they're just preparing for Armageddon 2. I don't know. Oh, Nick, do you know what? I don't think NASA know anything we don't. Everything we know, NASA knows, and everything NASA knows, we know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we are smart space people. Well, I am, because you keep insisting on bringing it to the podcast every week. And everybody is thankful for it. Yeah, okay. So, Luce, your next story is something that I've sort of been following for a little while, um, and you wrote about it in the newsletter this morning. I did. You actually sent this to me a few weeks ago, and I posted about it. I posted about it on Instagram, and I've been sort of keeping tabs on it for a while. Um, this is about the disappearance of a really incredible Chinese tennis star, Peng Shui. Now, just before we get into this story, I will add another content warning here that uh, we do talk a little bit about sexual assault. So if you don't want to listen to that, again, you can skip forward a few minutes. So this is a wee excerpt from The Cut, which just gives a little bit of background. On the courts, 35-year-old Chinese tennis star Peng Shui is a tour de force. She's a three-time Olympian who has won 25 tour titles over the course of her career, and her trailblazing success has helped to propel women's tennis to new heights in China. Then, this November, she disappeared. 
So, Nick, on the 2nd of November, after Shui accused um, one of China's former vice premiers under Xi Jinping of sexual assault in a post on Weibo, which is a Chinese social media platform, you know have ch- how China have their own internet. So, once she um, posted about the sexual assault, almost immediately the post disappeared from the internet, and then she did too. She disappeared from the internet to the point where, like, if you search her, it just says... Like, nothing found, no results found. And, like, she is so famous, Nick. Like, so famous. But she also disappeared from real life, too. And so this was... It had a lot of people scared, but notably um, the Women's Tennis Association. And this was also the first public Me Too accusation against a high-ranking Communist Party official in China. So so after she disappeared, there was like widespread international outcry, like not just from fellow tennis stars like Naomi Osaka, but from also like all the tennis associations around the world. And the really scary part about this is the way that the Chinese government has responded. So it's been called concerted but unconvincing efforts to prove that Ping Shui is okay. Um, They claim that she's just resting at home, but like, resting from what? Now, there have been a ton of weird, weird media efforts to try and prove that she's safe. Like, on um, November 17th, an official news media organization controlled by the CCP tweeted out a photo message of an email that apparently Ping Shui had sent. It was just a tweet that said, Hello everyone, this is Ping Shui. Regarding the recent news released on the official website of the WTA, which is the Women's Tennis Association, the content has not been confirmed or verified by myself and it was released without my consent. The news in that release, including the allegations of sexual assault, is not true. I'm not missing, nor am I unsafe. I've just been resting at home and everything is fine. Thank you again for caring about me. If the WTA publishes any more news about me, please verify it with me and release it with my consent. As a professional tennis player, I thank you for all your companionship and consideration. I hope to promote Chinese tennis with you all if I have the chance in the future. I hope Chinese tennis will become better and better. Once again, thank you for your consideration. And just no one is buying that, Nick. No one is buying... how could you? Like, how could you? She's gone and spoken about her sexual assault, and then in that apparent email from her, she's gone and said, like, oh, actually, no, that wasn't true. Also, I'm just resting at home, and, like, the WTA needs to stop posting about me. Like, no. Then in um, another video, which was posted by a Chinese state television employee... Um, it's a video of her having dinner with her coach and the coach just kept saying, it's November 21st tomorrow, right? And even though Shui like never responds and never speaks back. So it's like they're trying to timestamp it to be like, this is happening now, she's safe, she's fine. You couldn't make this any more like obviously faked if you tried. <laughs> I know. And, and, and the thing is, is like, there's no way that from where we're sitting here, we can we can tell or we can know. And a lot of commentary, which I agree with, has said that, like, yes, these photos or these videos prove that she's alive, or they might prove that she's alive. They certainly, though, don't prove that she's free or safe, which is what most people are saying, is that, like, you can post videos of her, but 
that doesn't mean shit like when you're controlling the videos and what she's doing mm, exactly so a bunch of organizations including human rights watch and like a bunch of the like international tennis organizations and associations have called on the international olympic committee to ensure um Shui's safety but the ioc has so far had like literally done not much now there is there was a photo released of um, the International Olympic Committee chairman, whose name is Dick Pound, and I, like, that shouldn't take away from the story, but I am that immature, that Dick Pound. <laughs> Lucy, <laughs> I wish everybody could see Lucy's, like, stupid little grin right now. <laughs> I know. Anyway, there was a photo that was released of her talking to him and he insisted that Shui appeared fine and there's actually been no like footage released or transcripts released of this so we just have again no idea the women's tennis association though will be suspending all tournaments in China and Hong Kong off the back of this and it's being just like highly highly like called out and watched and followed and this is just Oh, really, I mean, we know that China exerts extreme control over the way they portray themselves to the world and even having their own internet, etc. But, like, you're talking about a member of your, like, party in power sexually assaulting one of your most famous tennis stars and you, like, trying to cover it up. And I just, it's really, it, I don't know, it's it's scary and it's happening and it's so easy to turn your head away from it when we're living in the West and we have all our own shit going on. But it's like, no, like, this is a whole, this is a whole thing. Like, this is so fucked. And if this was happening in America, we would know way more about it. We'd be talking so much more about it. In this, like, age of free information and global connectivity, I don't know how much longer China can keep pulling this sort of shit. Like, Yeah, but then it's like, well, what can we actually do about it? It's the same with, like, um, the... The internment camps and the way that they treat people in Xinjiang, the province in China, and it's like, like, I feel so helpless because, like, as much as we can see it and call attention to it and condemn it, and like, people can stop, you know, having tournaments there, etc., they'll just become more and more insular. Well, I mean, money is power at the end of the day, and if the WTA have, have you know made steps towards this with suspending all their tournaments and stuff. But when the IOC chairman, the classically, classically non-corrupt IOC, you know, when they sort of go in and say everything is fine, like it paints the the IOC with a pretty bad brush. In addition to discrediting everything that's going on with Peng Shui, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to see shit like this continuing with China's sort of sport washing. I know, I know. It's so this again, another one that will keep you updated on because it's just interesting and it's interesting to me like how little noise I've seen around it, but then that's my own echo chamber as well. So we're we're doing what we can to bring attention to it, so that's what I always feel like. I always feel like like I could be doing more, but I am doing a lot and I am doing my bit. And as long as you guys are so good at sending me like little unknown stories that actually deserve a bit more sort of oomph behind them. And so like as long as we keep having this like nice transactional relationship, I feel like we can keep doing our little bit. Nick, 
Do you have a good news story of some description for me this week? This is like, I don't know, it's not really selfish, but it's very, it's very, it's a good news story for me and you, Luz. It's personal. It's personal. This this time next week, we're going to be recording the shit show in person, aren't we? I'm so excited, Nick. I honestly, I cannot wait. It'll still be a bedroom floor job, but it will be like... We'll have some beers, we'll have some wine, it'll be vibey. Oh, get ready for a drunk podcast, people. (laughs) Oh, I'm actually so excited. I was also thinking, Nick, we should do, when I'm back home, we should do a, like, wrap-up of the best and the biggest news stories of the year, like... Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Suez Canal and, like, GameStop and all that. So I'm I'm really excited for what's to come with the shit show. I'm also excited because, guys, me and Nick, I've obviously been in lockdown for, like, what will be, when I see Nick, like, four months. I probably haven't seen you in like over half a year, eh? Mm. And that's it's been a long ass time. It's been a long time, so I'm just excited. I will be pulling out all the stops. You've even got a spare bed, so he's staying here, everyone. It's gonna be a vibe. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait as well, Nick. Do you have a comment of the week for me? I do, Luce. I prepared this way earlier in the week. I was actually on the ball for once. um, And it was on your one minute on the internet post. And the comment was 12 million people sent an iMessage and I still can't get a text back. (laughs) I love that too. I found that really, really good. But then I was on Twitter the other day and I saw that someone called you out for getting something wrong. It was about the sock, sock, shoe, shoe poll that you had and it was I don't want to spoil the poll but 90.8% of people said they put on sock sock then shoo shoo but you reported in your newsletter that it was the other way around and people were upset (laughs) and the tweet that I think is better than uh, the comment of the week I chose before was did their sample come from an asylum (laughs) I know (laughs) look I I try very hard every morning to get everything right, to give you guys the best news. I fucking run a poll every day. And I accidentally messed up A and B and said that 90% of us were putting on our shoes. Sock shoe? Sock shoe, which just isn't right. And It's insane. It, it, and if you do that, you're insane. <laughs> and... I did get called out massively for it, but it was like the best thing in the whole newsletter newsletter that I could have gone wrong because I talk about some heavy shit in those newsletters and I was thankful that it was that. I was also thankful that I got called out by someone I really respect who writes a really cool newsletter, so um, that's great. Love that for me. I'm kind of, I'm embarrassed, but I'm okay about it because it all works out in the end. Whatever, Lucy, you're just the fake news media. Yeah, I'm just the fake news media. (laughs) I also, um, since you brought a tweet of the week, I brought a tweet of the week, um, and this is based off our last week's podcast where I did the um, Matthew McConaughey impression, but now I'm starting to doubt myself because is it Matthew McConaughey? Oh my God. Okay, no, I've got this completely wrong. I get Matthew McConaughey and Owen Wilson mixed up. Oh, no. Because of the way that they <laughs> I think talk. I know the tweet you're talking about as well. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, Lucy. So the tweet that I thought tied in really well to last week is, at Owen Wilson's wedding, they exchanged wows instead of vows. 
You've really had a shocker on the on the back end of this podcast, Lou. Far out. I have actually. I actually have, and I no. I, I was going to say I don't like it, but I can't even enjoy it. My love languages are one content sharing, and two, if you roast me, then I know you love me. So all y'all haters, you love me. <laughs> Well, I'm glad it's just you getting roasted for once, not me again. I know, you grumptious little shit. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> um, Nick, I think that might be all we have time for before we see each other next week in real life to do a fun episode. I know, I can't wait. I'm counting down the days. I've got a little clock timer on my phone. Aww. No, I, I, I don't actually. Oh. Okay, now who's the fake news media? <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to be better than you. You're just an employee of the fake news media. Don't get your exactly. head to the clouds. Everyone, you can find me on the other end of the morning newsletter. Um, you can come for me there if I get polls wrong. Nick, where can they find you? They can find me at the Shit Show Instagram. Also, I'm reading all the reviews that you guys are leaving, and I love them. I love them too. They're actually fucking cute. And And... Great listening on the latest episodes, everyone. Just like kudos to you. Great listens. You sound like a little school teacher. Good work, guys. Great listens today. Kudos to you. Keep, keep it up. Keep sending it around and getting as many people listening as you can. Anyway, we will be back in your ears next week. Until then, see you later. Bye.